<clears throat> Amen. All right, well, we're there in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. And of course, on uh, Sunday mornings, we've been going through a series entitled Shine as Lights. And uh, we've been talking about this idea of how we are the light of the world. And what exactly does that mean? Because people often say that, and Christians will say that, but uh, what that actually means um, is not always uh, defined. And we began the series by talking about uh, letting our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and what that means and how we actually do that. And then last week, we talked about the armor of light, and we talked about getting ready to engage in spiritual warfare and preparing ourselves for spiritual warfare because the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Uh, and uh, it says against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So we are engaged in battle as the children of light. We are engaged in battle with the rulers of the darkness of this world. So this morning what I want to do is talk about how we actually engage in spiritual warfare. What does that mean and what does that look like? And, and here's what you need to understand. When we look at Ephesians 6, and when we look at the ruler, you know, the rulers, doctors of the world, uh, wickedness in high places, the Bible tells us that we are in battle against the devil. You're there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look down at verse number 4. Uh, the Bible says this, in whom the God, and I want you to notice this lowercase g God of this world, hath blinded the minds. And uh, Brother Matt, yesterday morning in his soul winning challenge, went to this passage, and I was uh, preaching out of it this morning as well. And I believe the, go- the Lord really wants us to see it and, and, and understand it. But I want you to notice that that lowercase g God there is referring uh, to the devil. The Bible is not referring to God uh, of the Bible. The lowercase g God is the God of this world, and that is the devil. The Bible says, in whom the God of this world, notice, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. The Bible tells us that Satan hath blinded the minds of those which believe not. And, and here's what you need to understand. When we're talking about engaging in spiritual warfare, we're talking about fighting the devil. The Bible makes this clear. And again, I'm not preaching out of Ephesians 6 this morning, but if you study that uh, passage about the armor of God, the Bible says, wherefore, put on the armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We are engaged in battle against the devil. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now, I want you to notice that there are two ways that the devil attacks the world. The one is that Satan condemns the world through darkness. Because notice again there, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. It is the God of this world that has uh, brainwashed, that has deceived those who are not believers, the unsaved. He's blinded them. Why? Because Satan wants nothing more than to drag people down to hell with him. That is his attack, his attack on God. See, Satan hates God, right? The Bible tells us that hell was created for the devil and his angels, and what Satan has decided to do is to drag as many people down to hell with him. He knows that God created us in his image, and he wants to take as many unbelievers to hell with him. So he has, uh, so he has the God of this world, has blinded the minds of them which believe not. So Satan condemns the world through darkness. I want you to keep your place right there in 2 Corinthians 4. That's, uh, we're going to be uh, uh, looking at that 
that passage this morning. But go with me, if you would, to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number 2. If you're in 2 Corinthians, you're going to go past the book of Galatians into the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number 2, and I'd like you to look at verse number 2. Here's another passage that refers to Satan as the ruler of this world. In 2 Corinthians 4, 4, we're told that he is the God of this world, and he hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2, the Bible says this, wherein in time past ye walked. Now this is Paul speaking to believers, and he's talking to them about when they used to be unbelievers, before they were saved. He said, in time past, he said, in, in your past ye walked, notice these words, according to the course of this world. See, this world has a course. The word course means like a pathway uh, in, in which the world is walking. And by and large, uh, if you look around and if you just notice, you'll notice that most people are just kind of heading in the same direction in life. When we're talking about worldly people, we understand that nations are different and cultures are different. But by and large, the whole world is just kind of going down this path, which is a worldly pathway. And this is why Paul says, in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. Now notice, notice these words, according to the prince of the power of the air. And again, that's a reference to the devil. And I want you to notice that it is the devil who sets the agenda of this world. It is the devil who sets the course of this world. And he does that through government. He does that through media. He does that through all sorts of uh, ways. But he sets the agenda of this world. He puts things on TV. He puts things on the radio. He puts things on social media. And he kind of gets us all heading in the same direction, all doing the same things, all believing the same things, talking about humanity and mankind. The Bible says, When in time past you walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, Notice, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. See, the sat- Satan condemns the world through darkness, and then Satan also controls the world through darkness. So by and large, people today will just kind of have the same mindset, the same thoughts, and, and, and how does he do that? Again, through media. How does he do that? Again, through government. How does he do that? Again, uh, I mean, he does it through, uh, uh, through, through public education. I mean, he has a system set up where the vast majority of people on this planet, uh, in this country for sure, all go uh, send their kids to an institution. They're there for six hours. And what do they do? They just brainwash them and teach them all to believe the same things. Why? That's why they all come out thinking, you know, being a sodomite is normal. That's why the course of this world today tells you divorce is fine, fornication is fine, drunkenness is fine, drugs are fine. Why? Because Satan controls the agenda. He controls. And then people come to church like this and they're like, wow, this is so radically different. Because you maybe for the first time in your life entered into a place where we are actually being guided by the light of the word of God. The course of this world is set by the devil. So see, Satan controls the world through darkness, and he condemns the world through darkness. The God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. The prince of the power of the air has set the course of this world uh, for the world. He is the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now, you're there in Ephesians chapter 2. I'd like you to flip over to Ephesians chapter 6. And again, I'm not going to dissect the armor of God passage, but I want you to notice one thing. If you do study the armor of God, you'll notice that Most of the armor is all defensive. 
They are things that we are supposed to put on in order to defend ourselves. And, and again, I could preach a whole sermon on that. I'm not doing that this morning. But you have the helmet of salvation. You have the breastplate of righteousness. You have the shield of faith. You, you, you have these things that you uh, put on in order to defend yourself from the fiery darts from the wiles of the devil. But then there are, uh, there is one weapon and then there is one piece of the armor that seems to be, uh, more for, uh, uh, offensive. You're there in Ephesians chapter number six and look at verse, uh, number, uh, 17. Ephesians chapter number six. And look at verse number 17. And again, we could, uh, look at this whole passage and we could, uh, dissect the whole thing, but in verse 17, the Bible says this, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I want you to notice that there is one weapon in this entire armor that we are given for offense, and it is called the sword of the Spirit, and we are told it is the Word of God. And today when you talk about spiritual warfare, people really like to mysticize this and, and mysticize it and make it kind of creepy and like, oh, you know, spiritual warfare and demons and devils. And, and all of that is obviously true. There are devils. There is Satan. We understand that. But please understand, when it comes to engaging in spiritual warfare, you say, how do we engage in spiritual warfare? Do we go find a priest somewhere and start trying to cast devils out of people? Is that how we engage in spiritual warfare? Or do we like Alex Jones go stand at the corner of the Bilderberg group and, you know, yell at them with a, with a headphone or whatever and start telling them how they're reptilians, you know. I mean, how do we actually engage in spiritual warfare? And the Bible is very clear. The way that we actually engage in spiritual warfare, the way that we actually fight the devil, the way that we actually fight uh, the, the devils of this world and the demons of this world is when we engage them with the Word of God. It is the ministry of the Word of God that uh, allows us, that gives us the way to fight the rulers of the darkness of this world. You don't have to turn there. You can jot this down in your notes if you'd like. Psalm 119 and verse 105 says this, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. See, the Bible tells us that the Word of God is light. And we fight the rulers of the darkness of this world. We fight them through the Word of God, by using the Word of God. And there's two ways the Bible tells us to do this. And I want you to notice in verse 15 there, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 15, we find the first one, and your feet. Because again, all of this is defensive, one weapon, the gospel, uh, the, the Word of God, but then there's one piece of armor that is offensive. Verse 15, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. See, the way that we engage in spiritual warfare, and look, this is, this is the passage on spiritual warfare. This is the passage on how to uh, fight the devil. Somebody says to me, I want to I wanna fight the devil. Okay, well then you need to uh, put on, you need to have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You need to pick up the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. You need to go out and preach the gospel. And that's how we actually engage in spiritual warfare. And uh, this morning I want to give you two thoughts, two ideas in regards to how to engage in spiritual warfare. And if you're taking notes, and I'd encourage you to jot these things down if you don't have a baby sitting on your lap or something like that. How is it exactly that we fight the devil? Because people think, you know, the ideas that people have in regards to fighting the devil, uh, uh, you know, a lot of times seem to come from Hollywood. 
and seems to come from, from movies. But what is it that the Bible actually says? Keep your place in Ephesians and go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 if you would. Let me give you two thoughts this morning. Uh, number one, how do we fight the devil? Number one, to fight the devil, we must reconcile sinners. To fight the devil, we must reconcile sinners. Because if you ask yourself, what is on the line? What is at stake in spiritual warfare? Again, it is people going to hell. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look at verse 4 again. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. He's blinded their minds so that they would not believe. So what's, what's the opposite of that? What is he trying to fight against? What is, he, what is he trying to accomplish? Notice this word, last. The word last means in order, in order to keep them from. It means unless. Notice the words, the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. See, when we talk about spiritual warfare, we're literally talking about the souls of mankind. The God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, using darkness, He's blinded them, so that you and I would not be able to take the light of the glorious gospel of Christ and shine it unto them that they might be saved. See, it's really not that complicated. I want to engage in spiritual warfare. All right, well, show up for soul winning. Put on the, the, the preparation of the gospel of peace. Grab a King James Bible and go out and, and, and preach the gospel to someone. It's really that simple. To fight the devil, we must reconcile sinners. To fight the devil, we must reconcile sinners to God. Go to the book of Acts, if you would. You're there in 2 Corinthians. If you just go backwards, you've got 1 Corinthians, Romans, and then the book of Acts. Acts chapter number 13. I'll show this to you uh, from, from a couple of passages here. Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Pastor, you don't understand, we have to fight the government system and the new world order. No, here, here's how you fight the rules of the darkness of the world. You go soul winning. And don't, and don't talk to me about, you know, fighting the elitism and fighting, you know, Bill Gates and fighting all these, you know, rulers and, and wicked people in high places if you're not going to show up for soul winning because when you ask the question in the Bible, how do we engage in spiritual warfare? God says, go soul winning. Acts 26, verse 18. Notice what Jesus said to the Apostle Paul. Acts 26 and verse 18. Notice what he says. He says, to open their eyes. This is, what, this is what Paul, this is what Jesus told Paul. The man who wrote the passage on spiritual warfare under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he said, Paul, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out there to do what? He says, to open their eyes. To turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan unto God. See, the way that we engage the rulers of the darkness of this world, the way that we fight spiritual warfare, the way that we fight the devil, the way that we fight the demons is to go out to unbelieving men and women and open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. See, the first thing we see here in this passage is that this is what you and I do. 
we go out, we go soul winning, and uh, the, the goal is to open their eyes. See, the God of this world has blinded their minds. They're blind. They don't understand the gospel. They don't understand, and by the way, unbelieving people can't understand the Bible anyway. They don't, they don't understand. What do they need? They need somebody to go with the light. They're in darkness. They need somebody to go. You say, well, I'm going to hand them a Bible. Well, here's the thing. They can't read it. They're in darkness. They need somebody to go with the light of the glorious gospel and open their eyes. Go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8. You're there in Acts 26. Just flip over to Acts chapter 8. What does this mean exactly? Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 and verse 30. Acts chapter 8 and verse 3, the Bible says this, And Philip ran hither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah. Here's Philip, someone who's saved, coming across the Ethiopian eunuch, someone who's not saved. The Ethiopian eunuch is reading the Bible, but doesn't understand any of it. And here's an interesting thing. He's reading Isaiah 53, which is probably the most clear Old Testament passage on the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, if you were going to get saved reading the Old Testament, this is where it's going to, this is where, if, if you could get saved as an unsaved person just reading the Bible, in the Old, the Old Testament specifically, Isaiah 53 is it. I mean, it doesn't get any more clear than that. Philip ran hither to him, heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, he asked him this question, Understandest thou what thou readest? There's a response, verse 31. And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? He desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Please listen to me. Please understand something. There are people all over this city, all over the city of Sacramento. There are people all over the county of Sacramento. There are all pe- people all over Northern California. There are people all over the state of California. There are people all over this nation and all over this world who would get saved if somebody would guide them. They would get saved if somebody would take the time to go to them with the light of the Word of God, with the light of the Holy Spirit, with the light of the glorious gospel, and open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. It is our job to go out there. See, he says, how can I except some man should guide me? And he said, Philip, that he should come up and sit with him. Look, you and I need to learn how to go and open people's eyes. And look, and if you've never done it, and I'm not trying to be up on you if you've never done it, but I'm trying to encourage you, if you're not a soul winner, you ought to become one. Well, I don't know how to give the gospel. Learn. Well, I don't know how to do it. We'll train you. Look, we'll train you. And look, at Verity Baptist Church, we've never tried to force people or push people to do something they're not comfortable with. You can come and just be a silent partner and start out being a silent partner and just listen and, 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 and hear how other soul winners go. That's fine. We have a soul winning seminar on our website. You can watch the videos. You can print, you, you can print the, the, the study sheets. It's fill in the blank. Here's the thing. And here's what I often, you know, kind of chuckle about, chuckle about, uh, about our church. And I hope this is not offensive and I hope you don't take this the wrong way. But I don't think that that many of our church people realize how spoiled they are. I mean, I grew up independent from a Baptist. You know, when, when, when we went soul winning, it was like, you showed up to a meeting, three people were there, the pastor wasn't even there, somebody said, just go. Go where? Wherever you want. Do what? Whatever you want. What do I say? I, you figure it out. 
You know, we, we make seminars and we've got training and we've got handouts and fill in the blanks and we take you step by step by step and, and teach you. You say, why do you put all the energy and effort into doing that? One reason, because we want to engage in spiritual warfare. Because we want to give you all the resources. Look, we're, we're not trying to just throw you the wolves. We will help you. We'll guide you. We'll teach you. But part of it is going to require you taking the time to memorize a couple of verses. Part of it is going to be you taking the time to highlight some verses. Part of you is going to be, and look, I'm not trying to belittle you or, or, or mock you, but it's going to take you just taking a few minutes and figuring out, okay, how do I actually get to the book of Romans? How do I actually get to the book of Ephesians? What am I actually going to say when I knock on that door? What, what, you know, if I ask them the question, do you know for sure if you died today, are you on your way to heaven? And they said no. And I said, can I show you? And they say yes. Okay, now what? And look again, if you're new, I'm not, I'm not mocking you. You know, if you're new, we tell soul owners all the time, you go as far as you can. And when you can't go any further, you look back at me and we'll jump in. Look, we want to help you. We want to mentor you. We want to train you. But you've got to actually put in the effort to show up. To decide, I'm going to figure out how to present the gospel. I'm going to get an outline. You know, where do I start? You're a sinner. Where do I start? The wages for your sin. What do I say next? You know, uh, uh, God wants to forgive you of your sins. He wants to give you a gift. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. Jesus paid for it. It's eternal life. It'll, look, get an outline. Get a plan. Figure out some verses and go. You say, why? Because this is what we were left here to do. To engage in spiritual warfare. Learn the verses. Learn, learn, get, 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 get the training. Look, and we want to help you. And again, I'm not beating up on you. If you're new and you know you're getting out there, you're being a silent partner. Good for you. Praise the Lord. You know, pay attention. Listen. Learn the the introduction and 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 listen to how the other soul winners say. But I'm talking to some of you who just don't care about the fact that people are dying and going to hell. Look, if you're saved, you're saved because somebody gave you the gospel. You ought to at least return the favor. Somebody cared enough about you to present the gospel to you. Somebody cared about enough about you to uh, 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 share a verse with you. Somebody cared enough about you to go out and preach the gospel. And here's all I'm telling you. We're left here for one reason, to engage in spiritual warfare. You say, how do I do it? Take the Bible and go teach somebody how to be saved. Take the Bible and go tell somebody the plan of salvation. See, the first thing is what we do. Soul winning. We go. The second thing, notice there in Acts 26 and verse 18, is what they do. Salvation. To open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God. That's what you and I do. We show up, and we go, and we preach the gospel. Then, here's what happens if they believe it, and they receive it, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. See, what's the point of going out? To help them receive forgiveness of sins? Why, 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 do, we, why do we do what we do? And, and by the way, you know, one of the reasons that we do soul winning, here's the thing, it would be a lot easier to do in soul winning what most churches do, which is just let people show up and, who do I go with? I don't you figure it out. You know, the reason we even take the time to partner you with people is so that you can go, especially you newer soul winners, you can go with other soul winners and see how they give the gospel. See the illustrations they use. 
See the explanations they give. The reason that we switch people around is so that even some of you that have been soul winning for a while, it's good for you to hear other people give the gospel, hear other people answer questions. All of that, it's all part of training. It's all part of learning. It's all part of growing. Look, we don't don't want to make it scary for you. You say, I don't know what to say. You just come and you just listen, but get involved. Get engaged. And look, when you're out there and someone's preaching the gospel, you know, uh, follow along. Turn to the passage they're turning to. Listen to how they explain it. Listen to how they answer the questions. So, soul winning is what we do. And then, when they get saved, salvation is what they do, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. And that's the point. That's what we're trying to do. Why? Because sin condemns them to hell. Satan wants to keep them unbelievers so that they will pay the wages of sin, we go and preach the gospel of forgiveness. The gospel that says that Jesus died for your sins. Jesus paid for your sins. You don't have to pay for your own sins. You can call upon Christ in faith. You can believe on Him uh, and He will forgive you of all your sins. He will take your sin. He will pay your punishment that they may uh, receive forgiveness of sin. But I want you to notice there's a third aspect to soul winning because a lot of times when we talk about soul winning, people think, oh, soul winning is just going out and preaching the gospel. And look, if that's all you do, praise the Lord for it. But there's more to soul winning than that. Notice Acts 26.18 again. Here's step one, to open their eyes. That's what you and I do. We go out and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. And and let me say this. If you've never done that, I want to encourage you, work towards that. There is something, there there is just something uh, 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 joyful in the heart of a believer when you watch, just a couple of weeks ago, I was giving the gospel, my wife and I were soul winning, and I was giving the gospel to this, this lady, and, and, and you could tell, she, you know, she, she was really interested. We knocked on the door, and she's on the phone, and we're like, hey, we're from Mary Baptist Church. She's like, hey, you know, I got to go. There's people, and are at my door, and I was like, okay, well, that's a good sign, you know, and, and, and she came out, and she really wanted to learn. She really wanted to, you could tell, you know, I asked her, do you know for sure if you're on your way to heaven? She said, I'm not sure, you know, would you like to know? She's like, of course. And I started talking to her, and you could tell she was just really hung up on works, which is, you know, what 99.9% of religions are blinding, the, the devil's blinding them with this idea of works. Like, yeah, but don't I have to live a good life? You know, but don't I have to go to church, and don't I have to, like, you know, do certain things, you know? And, 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 and we're going through it with her and talking to her, took her to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, took her to Romans 4, and you could just tell, you know, when, 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 when we explained it to her and, and, and explained to her, look, salvation is a gift. The Bible says it's a gift. You don't have to work for it. Give you, you could just tell when the light bulb went off. And it was just like, wow. You know, I, I never really saw it that way. That's the goal. That's the point. To, to open their eyes is what the Bible says. To turn them from darkness to light. When you go out and you explain to someone, someone says, well, I believe you can lose it. And you explain it and the light bulb goes off. That's spiritual warfare. We just took a POW. We just took a captive. We just took someone out of the claws of Satan and into the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we do. That they may receive forgiveness of sins. But that's not it. Notice the last part of verse 18. And inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. You know that God not only wants us to help people get saved, he also wants us to help them be sanctified. Now don't mix these two thoughts. These are two separate thoughts. Salvation and sanctification are two different things. 
But once they're saved, then He wants us to help them get sanctified. Walk with God. Walk in light. Fellowship with the Father. That they might have an inheritance, that they might have a reward among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Go to the book of Matthew, if you would. Matthew 28, most famous passage regarding the, uh, the Great Commission as it's known. Matthew 28. Look at verse 19. Notice how Matthew 28 covers the same principles as Acts 26. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 covers the same concepts as Acts 26, 18. Acts 26, 18 says that we go to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they get saved, that they might receive forgiveness of sins, and then that we're supposed to help them. Here's what we do with them. Here's what we help them do. Have an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Matthew 28, look at verse 19. Go ye therefore. Notice how it's, it's go. It's offensive. Go ye therefore and, what do we do? Teach all nations. That's preaching the gospel. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. What is that? Identification. You identify yourself with Christ. Notice verse 20. Teaching them, here's sanctification, here's discipleship, here's becoming a follower of Christ. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Look, the, the Great Commission is not just soul winning. Now, if all we ever do with somebody is get them saved, that's good enough. If all we ever do with someone, it, it, let me rephrase that, that's not good enough, but that's, that's good. At the very least, let's get them saved. But you know what God wants? God wants us to take a new babe in Christ, somebody that just got born again, and then help them grow in the Lord. Amen. Sanctify them. Teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. How do we do that? Well, that takes us to the second step of engaging the devil in spiritual warfare. See, the first step to fight the devil in spiritual warfare, we must... Uh, reconcile sinners uh, to Christ. We must preach forgiveness of sins. We must fight the devil by reconciling sinners. Why? Because the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. He wants to send them to hell. And every time you and I go and get somebody saved, we snatch somebody from him. We open their eyes by explaining the gospel to them, by bringing the light to them, and we turn them from the power of Satan unto the power of God. That's step one. What's step two? I said number one, to fight the devil, we must reconcile sinners. Here's point number two. To fight the devil, we must reprove sin. See, we also want to help them be sanctified. To fight the devil, go back to the book of Ephesians if you would. Not only should we reconcile sinners, but to fight the devil, we should reprove sin. Ephesians chapter 5, look at verse 11. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 11. Notice what the Bible says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. See, what we do when you show up to Verity Baptist Church to a preaching service here on a Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night, what do we do? We take the light of the Word of God, and we reprove, we expose sin so that you can get sin out of your life. We're actually engaging in spiritual warfare right now. 
helping you as the believer to not walk in darkness, but rather reprove them. We reprove sin to fight the devil. We reprove sin. Ephesians 5, look at verse 12. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. And, and I'm not preaching about this, but realize there are some things you shouldn't talk about. There are some things that are inappropriate to talk about. We live in a very vulgar world today. Look at verse 13. But all things that are reproved, notice how he defines for us what it means to reprove something. All things that are reproved, notice, are made manifest by the light. So how do you reprove, how do you reprove sin? You take the light, right? Because what's, what's the light? The word of God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We take the light of the word of God and we manifest, we shine a light upon sin and we reprove sin. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. See, we are trying to shine a light on sin. When you show up, look, let me just tell you what we're trying to do. When you show up to Verity Baptist Church, here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to shine a light on the sin in your life so that you can see it, so that you can acknowledge it, so you can say, wow, I didn't, you know, I, it wasn't until I came to Verity Baptist Church that I, I mean, you know, I've been drinking the way I've been drinking and I've been cussing the way I've been cussing and I've been angry the way I've been angry and I've been bitter the way I've been bitter and I've been covetous the way I've been covetous my whole life. But it wasn't until I came to this church that I started feeling really guilty about it. Well, you're welcome. That's actually the goal. It's for you to look at it and say, well, I, didn't, you know, I, I knew that I treated my wife like that you know, all the time, but I didn't feel so bad about it until you shone a light on it. I knew that I was you know, treating my husband that way, or I knew that I, I was doing this, or I knew that I was doing that. Look, the devil wants to keep this world in darkness. People come in and say, well, you know, I mean... I, if you would have asked me if it was okay for me to be shocking up with my girlfriend, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, everybody else is doing it, but when I came to this church, I started feeling really bad about it. Well, good. That's the Holy Spirit. That is the shining of the Word of God. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Go to John chapter 3, if you would. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 3. We're trying to shine a light. We reconcile sinners. We reconcile sinners by taking the light of the glorious gospel and opening their eyes and turning them from darkness to light. That's salvation. Then we fight the devil by reproving sin. By reproving sin, notice John chapter 3 and verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. Notice what the Bible says. That light is come into the world. That's Jesus. And men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved, but he that doeth truth cometh to the light, 
but that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. Look, the Bible says that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Look, as a rule of thumb, anybody who's trying to hide something, keep something in the dark, just, just as a rule of thumb, they're wrong. Listen, teenagers. Somebody says, hey, let's do this, but don't tell your parents. Bad idea. They're wrong. You're wrong. Look, if, if you're walking in light, if you're not doing anything wrong, you say, well, why, why can't pastor know? Why can't my parents know? Why can't the church family know? The Bible says that everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Go to the book of Isaiah, if you would. In the Old Testament, you've got those uh, uh, major prophets. Um, if you open your Bible, just right in the center, you're more than likely to find the book of Psalms. You have Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Isaiah 58. Two ways we fight the devil. We fight the devil by reproving sin. We fight the devil by reconciling sinners. We fight the devil by taking the, glo- the, go- the light of the glorious gospel and opening their eyes and turning them from darkness to light by reconciling sinners. And then we help those people by reproving sin in their life and helping them walk in the light. And by the way, we don't mix those two. Do you understand that? This is why at Verity Baptist Church, we don't believe, we've never believed that our focus was to bring a bunch of unsaved people in this, into this building to try to get them saved. Now look, obviously as a church, unsaved people walk in here all the time. And when visitors come and guests come and they're not saved, then we will do everything in our power to get them saved. We have uh, personal workers and people that are trained to go to them and try to preach the gospel to them. Of course, we want to take every opportunity to preach the gospel. But you, you know, if, if you've never been part of any other independent formal Baptist church, let me tell you another reason, another way you're spoiled is most churches, you go, will go on Sunday morning, and every sermon, every Sunday morning, is a salvation sermon. Every Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, it's how to get saved, how to get saved, how to get saved. Say, Pastor, why don't you do that? Because that's not the point of church. The point of church is to help you to learn how to observe all things, whatsoever I've commanded you, is to help you grow. Say, well, what about unsaved people? That's what Saturday morning's for. That's what Thursday afternoon's for. That's what Sunday afternoon's for. We go out in the highways and hedges, we get them saved, and then we compel them to come in. We don't mix those. So now obviously when you preach, you can touch on the gospel and, and all those things. But the point is this. Our goal is not to bring in a bunch of... Because that's the philosophy of our churches today. Many churches today. That's why they have rock concerts. They bring in the rock concert and they say, well, we want to attract unsaved people so we can get them saved. No, 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 no. You go. You put on. You shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace and you go out there and get them saved. Then you bring them here and we'll help them get cleaned up. We'll shine light on them. And again, you can bring unsaved people here. I'm not saying you can't bring unbelievers. We'll get them saved. We'll do the best we can. But that's not the major focus of our church. That's why I'm not a Billy Graham where I'm going to go, let's try to get as many unsaved people in our arena and we'll preach the gospel to all of them. No, no, no. You go and we'll knock on their door and we'll preach the gospel to all of them. We don't mix those two. By the way, this is one of the reasons why we don't have and we never will have a sign ministry. Because a lot lot of, you know, IFB people, they have this idea like, oh no, what you do is you go stand on a corner somewhere with a sign that says repent or burn. And then you just yell at unsaved people on time. You're wicked as hell! 
Repent and burn or burn. Your fornication is wicked. Your drunkenness is wicked. You're so wicked. Hey, look, that doesn't help anything. They're in blindness. They're dark. They don't understand Bible doctrine. You say, what do we do when we go out in the world? We go out and preach the gospel. That's it. You know that unsaved people, that's all they need is the gospel. They don't need us going, trying to disciple them, help them grow, learn, understand. Let me explain to you the King James Bible. They don't understand all those things. Just get them saved. We go out and we preach the gospel. We bring them here and we get them cleaned up. You want to go out there and yell at a bunch of unsaved people on a street corner? Waste your time. You're never going to get anybody saved. They can't understand. The whole point of us is to go and preach the gospel and bring the good news. It's interesting how it's called the good news. The good tidings. And then we bring them to church and we disciple them. We help them grow. Isaiah 58, are you there? Look at verse 1. Notice what the Bible says. This is Bible preaching. Well, I don't feel like this when I go to my liberal church. Well, I hate to break it to you, but they're not doing biblical preaching there. So how do you know? Well, here's, here's, what, here's what God told Isaiah to do. Cry aloud. Pastor, why do you yell so much? Because the Bible tells me to. Yes. <laughs> cry aloud. You say, why, why, why do you need to cry? And by, by the way, let me just say this. Biblical preaching is dynamic preaching. Say, why, why, why do you yell so much? Because I'm excited about what I'm saying. Because you need to hear what I'm saying. Because you're not paying attention. Because you're on your stinking phone all the time. And I need to yell every once in a while. So you look up and I can shine a light. Cry aloud. Notice these words. Spare not. What does that mean? Don't hold back. Don't take anything out. Say it, t- say it all. That's why God told Jeremiah, don't be afraid of their faces. One of these days I'm going to preach with a mirror. <laughs> so you can see your faces. It's real easy to see when the light gets shown, shined on you. You go from, the sermon was going good till you mentioned. Say, hey, I know. <laughs> we can tell. Cry aloud. Spare not. That's why yeah, I'm just telling you. If it was me, I, if it was me, I'm just telling you. If I was a church member, I wasn't the pastor. Every sermon, I'd just be like, <laughs> you know, just to, just to not, because because you know, it like motivates us. You know, here's the funny thing. Some some of you think like, oh, I'm gonna give him a mean face so he gets off that off that point. When you give me the mean face, you know, there's this like psychology thing that happens, this subconscious thing that says like, stay on that point. If you would have just smiled and said amen, I would have gone off that point like five minutes ago. But you're like, then the whole sermon turns into that. <laughs> Cry aloud, Bible says. Spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people. Notice, here's, here's biblical preaching. And make my people feel good. Is that what it says? And teach a positive only message where they feel nice and cuddly afterwards. Is that what it says? Show. You know what the word show means? To make manifest. Show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. The Bible says, look, the Bible says, the Bible says that the whole point of you coming to a church like this is you come here and then you're like, ah, I didn't know, yeah, I'm doing that. I should stop doing that. That's the point. Ezekiel. Chapter 6, if you would, you're there in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Ezekiel, chapter 6. 
Ezekiel chapter 6. Look at verse 11. Biblical preaching should be dynamic preaching. Biblical preaching should be clear. I went to church, I've been to church my whole life where I walk away from the sermon, I'm like, I'm not really sure what he meant. What did he mean by that? I remember one time I was at a church and the pastor had announced, I'm going to preach a sermon about the pre-tribulation rapture. And I got really excited. Because I'm like, I've never heard a pastor preach on the pre-tribulation rapture like my whole life. And he's like, I'm going to preach a sermon about the pre-tribulation rapture. And I don't believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. I'm like, man, you know, I want to hear it. I want to hear the arguments. I want to hear the point. I want to hear, you know, uh, uh, convince me. And I walked out of that sermon. I'm like, I'm not really sure what he meant. Like, that was really confusing. I'm not sure he knew what he meant. One time, uh, a preacher was re- preaching out of Romans 1, and they, they, were, they were trying so hard to not call sodomites reprobates that they had to, like, do this and go there and say that. And it was like, what are you talking? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Look, you may not like the preaching of Verity Baptist Church. You may not like me after you hear me preach at Verity Baptist Church. That's okay. You know, you may not like, but, 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 but when you walk out and you're like, but I know what he meant, Amen. then mission accomplished. We make manifest, we show, we get your attention. Ezekiel 6, 11, notice what God told Ezekiel. Thus saith the Lord God, smite with thine hand, stamp with thy foot, and say, alas, for all the evil abominations of the house of Israel, for they shall fall by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. You know what God says to preachers? He said, get their attention. They may not like you when you're done, but make sure they know what the Bible says. Go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23. Look, I want you to like me, obviously. I want you to be my friend. I hope we are. But you know, I made a decision a long time ago that I'd rather be right with God and step all over your, your toes when you need it than be your friend. Now, if I can step over your toes and be your friend, that's, that's good. But if I have to choose one, I'm going to choose God. Because the point of you coming here, the point of you coming here is to help you grow. I never understood this idea. People say, well, I want to go to church where I just never feel bad about anything. Like, well, then why are you going to church? The whole point is to help you grow. It's to say, hey, stop doing that. Stop saying that. Stop thinking that. Stop acting that way. Jeremiah 23, verse 21. I have not sent. I have not sent these prophets. Yet they ran. That's your Rick Warrens. That's your, your, contempor- yeah, it's your liberal Christian preacher. I have not spoken to them. Yet they prophesied. But, notice what God says. But if they had stood in my counsel. He, said, he says, if, if they had, and here's, how, here's one way you can tell if a, if a guy's a good preacher or not. Say, how do I know if Joel Osteen's a bad preacher? Okay, well, here, here's the thing. If Joel Osteen had, if Rick Warren had, if, you know, whatever, famous liberal preacher, T.D. Jakes had stood in my council, and had caused my people to hear my words, when they should then, notice these words, then they should have turned from their evil way and from the evil of their doing. 
Let me, let me just let you in on our agenda here. Pastor, why do you preach? Three times a week you stand up to preach. One reason. I preach for change. Amen. We preach for change. You got problems. Yeah, I don't got any problems. That's what you think. You got issues. You got daddy issues. You got issues from I don't know where. You've got all sorts of problems, all sorts of issues that need to be fixed. We stand up to preach to change, to help you change, to help you grow. And you say, well, how do you know these liberal churches are bad? The fact that somebody can go to a liberal church for like 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, and nothing's ever changed, it tells you that they're not hearing the word. The whole point is that we hear, he says that they would hear my words and that they should have turned from their evil way and from their evil doing. See, the whole point, the whole purpose, go back to 2 Corinthians if you would, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. The whole purpose is to help you change. Is to help you grow. Is that 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 once you've been here for a year, your life would have changed some. Obviously, no, none of us have attained. We're all still growing. We're all still learning. We understand that. But the whole point is to help you grow. It's to help you change. It's to help you see. Wow, there's things in my life I need to deal with. I need to work on. I, there, there's issues in my life that I, that I need to uh, uh, do. I need to fix those. And look, here's the interesting thing. This is how we engage in spiritual warfare. This is how we engage in spiritual warfare. Every, every time that we preach a sermon that helps people change, we're engaging in spiritual warfare. Every time that we open up a Bible and preach the gospel to someone, we're engaging in spiritual warfare. Every time that we take the word of God, the light of the word of God, and help somebody see something that they did not see before because they were in darkness, whether it's salvation or whether it's about their personal life, anytime we show the light, we're fighting the rulers of the darkness of this world. Here's another way we do it, 2 Corinthians 11. Not only do we do it by reproving or exposing sin, but we do it by reproving and exposing false prophets. 2 Corinthians 11, look at verse 13. For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Look, not every person that says they're a man of God is a man of God. There are deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no man, uh, excuse me, verse 14, and no marvel, notice, For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers, whose ministers, the devil's ministers, also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their work. See, we're engaged in spiritual warfare, right? How do we, what do we do? We take the glorious gospel, and we take their captives, and we set them free. We make them free. Then we expose the sin in their lives. We disciple them. We help them grow. Why? That they might change, and that they might help us go fight the devil. That's spiritual warfare. But then there are also spies, There are preachers that are working from on the other side and they have transformed themselves into an angel of light. They are the ministers, transformed as the ministers of righteousness and they're acting like they're on our side while helping the devil. So we have to expose them as well. Go to Romans just real quickly. Romans 16, verse 17. 
if you're there in 2 Corinthians, just go past 1 Corinthians into Romans. Romans 16, verse 17. I beseech you, brethren. Now I beseech you, brethren. Notice his words, mark them. The word mark means to identify them. So people say, I don't like you, call, you know, saying the name of Billy Graham or Joel Osteen or whatever. Well, we're supposed to mark them. Which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which we have heard, which we have learned. Say, so what's the point of marking them? Here's the point, and avoid them. We mark them, so you avoid them. We, we mark John MacArthur, so you avoid John MacArthur. We mark these false preachers, so you avoid them, so you don't think, oh, well, that's a good guy. No, that's not a good guy. That is a minister who has transformed himself as a minister of righteousness. They're these positive-only, feel-good, send-in-your-money message, and you can listen to them for years, and you're never going to grow. You're never going to actually get the sin out of your life. You're going to continue to walk in the course of this world. You don't have to turn here. Titus 1.9, the Bible says this, holding fast the faithful word. Faithful word is referring to the word of God. We're supposed to hold fast the faithful word as he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayer. The word exhort means to urge, to advise, to caution. The word convince means to persuade by argument or evidence. The word gainsayer means the one person who denies or disputes. Look, this is what spiritual warfare is. We take the word of God and we use the word of God to convince the gainsayer. It is a fight of influence. It is not, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It's not guns and, 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 and physical weapons that we're going to go fight physically with. It is a war of influence. It is going to those that the devil has put in darkness and to shine the light of the glorious gospel, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light. It is taking, taking believers and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, training them, and helping them grow and learn so that they can go and teach others also. It is helping people get out from the condemnation of the devil and from the control of the devil. And I'll just say this by way of conclusion. All of this is done in connection with the house of God. It is the house of God. See, we fight the devil by reconciling sinners. How do we do that? Through the house of God. Paul said this, he said, how shall they call on him in whom they have not heard? He, 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 says, he says, how shall they believe on him? He said, he said, how shall they preach except they be sent? That's what we do at church. We organize you. We send you out. How do we fight the devil? We fight the devil by reproving sin. Sin, this is all done in church. That's why the Bible calls church the pillar and ground of the truth. You come here to preach, to hear the truth. That's why we named the church Verity Baptist Church. The word Verity means truth. Amen. The whole point is you come here and you hear the truth. Now sometimes, like the Apostle Paul, I have to say, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? The point of spiritual warfare is to turn them from darkness to light, is to open their eyes through soul winning, and is to help them become the soldiers of Christ that we need through sanctification. That's it. No need to go to, you know, some 
meeting with a bunch of elites where they're worshiping a big owl. No need for that. No, no need to join a political reform. No need to any of that. The rulers of the darkness of the world, what is the devil doing? Well, what about the new world order? Look, that's going to happen whether you like it or not. What do we do in the meantime? We turn them from darkness to light. We learn to live in the light. We walk in the light as he is in the light that we might have fellowship with him. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the word. Thank you for the Bible. And Lord, thank you for the Bible just being super clear about this. The Bible says that we turn them from darkness to light. The Bible says that we reprove the works of darkness. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a church that would have this mindset of going out and preaching the gospel, preaching the good news, taking people out from under the power of Satan, opening their eyes. And then, Lord, also help us to be a church that brings them in and helps them to grow and to learn and to develop to walk with you. And Lord, help us to realize that as we do these things, we are engaging in spiritual warfare. As we reconcile sinners and as we reprove sin, we are fighting the devil, the God of this world. Lord, I pray that you'd always help us to be a church that upholds the light. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.